Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Pastor Dr. Adrian Rogers was at boarded an airplane to fly from Tennessee out to the West Coast. He was seated next to a man who had obviously had too much to drink. The man boarded the plane with a cup of alcohol and Dr. Rogers said, I don't know how he got away with that, but... As he sat next to this man, he was getting louder and more obnoxious, and he felt like the best thing he could do would be just to read his book. And he happened to be reading a book by the articulate Reverend Vance Havner. The book was entitled, Repent or Else?, As he was reading, before long, the man sitting next to him turned to him and said, is that book true? Dr. Rogers said, what do you mean, is that book true? He responded, well, what's it about? Repent or else. Pastor Rogers said, well, it tells us that if we don't repent of our sins, we will die and go to hell. The man answered, God? God? Lifting his voice louder, he said, Mister, let me tell you what I think about God and about the devil and about everyone. And by that time, everyone on the plane, their eyes were fixed on Dr. Rogers and this man, you know. And the man went on to say, God, I hate him. The devil, I don't care for him. And I don't care for anybody else. There's my God right here. And he held up a cup of whiskey. And as far as he is concerned, pointing that way, he can go to, and I'm not going to finish the statement because you know what he's saying, and as far as the devil is concerned, he can go to the same place, and as far as all these people are concerned, they can go to the same place, and I'm going to drink this until I die, and that is where I'm going. pastor thought, well, I better just be quiet here for a while and let this man cool down. Sitting there, letting the man kind of lose steam, he discovered the man's name was Montoya. After the man had calmed down some, he looked at him and he said, Montoya, you don't really hate God. Yes, I do, he answered. 
Then pastor said, you don't know enough about God to hate him. Then the man shared with him how that his wife had joined a cult and that cult had convinced her that she needed to leave him and take the children with her and leave him because he was not a member of the cult. And so from that point on, he hated God. The pastor said, you don't hate God. You hate the image of God that you've been given. But you don't hate God. He said, let me draw you a picture. And he reached down into his briefcase. He took out a yellow pad and he drew a picture. He said, this is a picture of you. And he drew, and you've probably seen it, the circles of the body, the soul, and the spirit. And he explained how Jesus Christ had come and died on the cross for his sins. And how that Jesus Christ had been buried and rose from the dead. And how that through God's love, he could be forgiven of his sins and receive eternal life. Before that plane landed in Phoenix, he had led that man to salvation and he received Jesus Christ into his heart and life. And after they had landed in Phoenix, they had gotten off the plane before they left the gate area, that man gave Dr. Rogers a huge bear hug and said, Mr., I love you. <laughs> you see, he didn't really know God. He had a distorted image of God and he hated the God of that distorted image. But he didn't know God. But once he received accurate knowledge of God and he could see the true God, he loved God and he received God into his life. Amen? That's why the Apostle Peter in writing in his second epistle, chapter one, verse five, said, therefore, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, which is moral excellence, knowledge. Knowledge. We must have an accurate knowledge of God. We must know God's character. We must know God's nature. That God lives outside of time and space. He is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He is the immutable, unchanging God that is the same from generation to generation. And he will never change. That he is love. His, his very nature is love. God isn't love because he feels love. God is love because that's his very nature. He cannot be anything but love. And because God is love, <coughs> excuse me, his character is mercy. 
and his character is grace. And he's kind. And he's just. And he's altogether righteous. He's forgiving. And he's long-suffering. Come on, amen? This is almighty God. And he entered the world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus took our sins and our iniquities upon himself. And he died on a cross and was buried and rose the third day. And his love, mercy, and grace offers to us eternal life. Amen? That's God. That's God. See, it's, it's important that we not only know the nature and the character of Almighty God, we must know his ways. His ways. So that when we're looking at a situation, we can see it from God's perspective. That's wisdom. That's why the book of Proverbs says to get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom, the ability to view a situation, to view life from God's perspective. Understanding is knowing Okay, that's how it is from God's perspective. How would God handle it? What are God's ways? And then knowledge. Get knowledge. Get wisdom, get understanding, get knowledge. Knowledge is knowing the principles and the precepts of God's word. So that we know what to do. Amen? What it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for right knowledge of God, his nature, his character, who he is. For doctrine, for reproof, to show us what is wrong, help us see our blind spots, help us see this, for correction, for correction. Okay, that's not the right way, but this is the right way. Come on, amen? Absolute truth. There are absolute, absolute truth. And for instruction in righteousness, amen. What do I do now? Amen? amen? See, we've got to know God. We've got to have accurate knowledge, accurate knowledge of God. Hmm. Now, that's what Psalms 119 is all about, where Craig was singing from a moment ago. Would everyone turn there with me, please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 19. I'm going to read for us the first four verses. Psalm 19, first four verses. This is a psalm by King David. Day into day, utter speech. Excuse me, let me start at verse one. That was verse two. How many would like to start at verse one? Let's start at verse one. Okay, here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. This is saying creation declares the glory and the majesty of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Revelation, or excuse me, the book of Romans, chapter 1, says the same thing. 
Paul writing, he said, the invisible things of God are known through his creation. God's power, God's majesty, God's glory, his character, his nature, it's all revealed through his creation. And the psalmist said, it's not only revealed through creation, but it doesn't matter what people group you're part of, what language you speak, everyone can understand the words that creation is declaring about God and his glory and his majesty and his power and his wonder. All of creation declares it. Amen? And he says it in English, he says it in French, he says it in German, he says it in Swahili, he says it in whatever language they speak in the islands of the Pacific, whatever languages they speak in all the various Asian nations, everyone can understand it in their language. There is a God, look at creation. But then King David said, but you know what, that's not enough. God said, that's not enough. It's not enough that creation declares my, I'm going to give them my written word. So then he goes on in verse seven. Would you join me? He says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What are the testimonies of the Lord? The stories about Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. God giving them manna from heaven. God causing the walls of Jericho to fall straight down because if they fell out, they would kill the Israelites. If they fell inward, they would kill the people of Jericho. So God did a supernatural divine excavation work and the walls fell straight down. And you know what? Archaeology has shown that indeed the walls fell straight down. Isn't that amazing? Only God could do that. The testimony of the prophet, iron floating. Really? It's amazing. These are all the testimonies of Almighty God and they're sure. They make wise the simple. Look what he says. The statutes of of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure. Doing what? Converting the soul. The fear of the Lord is clean and righteous altogether. The fear of the Lord is clean. I didn't say that correctly. Thank you, Lord. Mine just changed. I'm going to have to use yours. May I borrow yours? Thank you. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Sometimes electronics aren't as good as the paper, okay? fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. Now, he doesn't stop there though. He says they are more precious than gold, much purer than gold. They're sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Look what he's saying. The written word of God, your holy Bible is more valuable 
It is, in fact, it is invaluable. It is more valuable than all the gold of all the mines in all the earth, the Holy Bible. I will never forget the first time I went behind the Iron Curtain in the late 1980s. We smuggled Bibles in behind the Iron Curtain. We distributed those Bibles in Poland and also in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Every time we would give someone a Bible, this is what they would do. They would take that Bible. Wanda, do you remember this? They would take that Bible and they would hold it like this. They would hold it to their heart. Precious. Precious. I mean, it was like the most precious thing they'd ever had. And then we discovered why. The family that we stayed with in Prague, he was actually in the That was still Czechoslovakia at that time. They hadn't divided between the Czech Republic and Slovakia. He was in the Czechoslovakian army as a born-again believer. His life was at risk every single day he lived. But they had never owned a complete Bible. What they had is they, they they had one Bible and one family would get it for so many days and they would write parts of it out on paper to keep for themselves and then they would give to some of their friends they would give it and this mentioned all I've ever had is, is some of the handwritten copies of what the Bible says but I've never had a Bible when he got a Bible he, he held it it was precious to him it was precious to him it was precious it was so valuable they would have given their life for that Bible the word of God. But David said, David said, but you know what? Even that still is not enough. Now look what he says in verse 12. And if you'll give me a second, I'm gonna get back there real quick. Chapter 19. What's that? Oh, you did. Oh, but I was gonna, just give me a second. I'm almost there. Just a second. That way you can read yours. We're there. Okay, now look, look what he says, beginning at verse 12. Who can understand his errors and cleanse me from secret faults? Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. For well, you just sang. What is he saying? God, the heavens declare your glory, but for you that wasn't enough. And so you gave us your written word. But almighty God, I don't want to just know you intellectually. I don't want to just know you, Lord, from my religious activity because I go to the temple and I offer a sacrifice. I want to know you personally. Amen. I want to know you personally. And see, that's what the Apostle Peter is talking about. Now we're back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, when he said, giving all diligence, add to your faith knowledge. But when Peter said knowledge, he didn't use the Greek word noeo or nous, which means intellectual knowing, to grasp something with the mind. 
He used the Greek word gnosis, which is experiential knowledge. I want to know you through personal experience. I want to know you through personal experience. I want to know you through personal experience. Now listen, every major Christian doctrine is to be experiential. We believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you experience that? Well, it's simple. Heavenly Father. He wants to have a father-son relationship with you. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is saying, Heavenly Father wants a personal experience with you. He wants to be your father. He wants you to be his son, to be his daughter. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to come live in your heart and abide in your heart 24-7 so that he's living in you. He's living through you. Amen? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that he could be your guide, he could be your teacher. But not only is he going to come live in you, I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you have divine supernatural power in your life. Experience. Experience. That all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the repentance is commanded of God for all, unnecessary for the forgiveness of sin. How do you experience that doctrine? You experience it by personally in your heart, repenting and confessing that you're a sinner and asking God to forgive you and ask him to wash you and cleanse you. It's an experience, dear ones. Amen? He's saying, I want you to know God experientially. And I like, if you would read it with me, what what Dr. A.T. Robertson says in, in his great volume, uh, The Words of the New Testament. Would you read it with me, starting right here? Get more knowledge of Christ by experiences. He says that is what the Greek word gnosis means. One more time, would you? Get more knowledge of Christ by experiences. But let me share something with you. When the apostle Peter is talking about adding to your faith experiential knowledge, he's not talking about that we live our life from one experience to another experience to another experience to another experience. He's not talking about getting goosebumpy feelings. He's not talking about getting slain in the spirit. He's not talking about suddenly having oil appearing on your hands. He's not talking about that kind of stuff. He's, he's talking about a balanced experience that helps you to stand when everything else around you is crumbling. What the apostle Paul said when he said, Dear ones, stand, and having done all to stand, stand. See, it's a balanced experience that helps you know God personally and intimately. Amen? Am I making sense what I'm saying? It's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in the book of Philippians when he wrote to the church at Philippi. It said, but what things were gained in me, those I counted lost. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge, gnosis, of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And do count them but dung. 
not having mine own righteousness, which is the law, but that righteousness, which is by faith. The righteousness of God, which is by faith. Listen, that I might know him, Gnosis, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, that if by all means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul's saying, listen, I've been a Pharisee. I have the entire Old Testament memorized. But it's not enough to just know him here. Or to know him because I'm keeping all these religious practices. I eat exactly the right foods. I, I keep the Sabbath. I, I, don't, I, you know, I, I wash my hands. I do all this stuff. I'm keeping all these laws and all the I'm doing that. But that's not enough. That's not enough. I push all that aside that I might know Jesus Christ personally and experience him in my life 24-7. That's where it's at. Come on, amen. Listen, that's with God right from the very beginning. We go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, right? It tells us about a guy named Abraham. How many remember Abraham? Okay. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and his wife Sarah that had that amazing experience at 100 years old. They had a kid. Woohoo! Grandma and grandma, look what you have to look forward to. But in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, listen to what God says. God says this, Abraham, who is my friend. God calls Abraham his friend. Not Abraham the patriarch, but Abraham, my friend. What Pastor Dave read to us this morning from John 15. Jesus talking to his disciples who are going to become his apostles. And he says to them, look, look, you're my servants, but I'm not going to call you my servants anymore because servants don't really know their master. You're my friends. It's kind of like the difference between guys that I know here in the community and I've played golf with them and I know that because we've played some golf together. I know them by name. They know me by name. We see one another maybe at Starbucks or something. We call each other by name or there's people I've met at Starbucks and I know them. I say, hey, how you doing? You know, and we know each other, can call each other by name. Sometimes we just know each other by sight. We don't even know each other's name, but we know, hey, you know, we, we, we know each other, right? But then... There's Pastor Dave, Pastor Tiffany, Pastor Reagan, Pastor Darcy. We're friends. I mean, we really are. We're not just co-workers together. They're not just on staff with me. We're friends. And when Mr. Positive talks to me and says, I got your back, bro. You know who Mr. Positive is, right? Pastor Reagan. He's the most positive man you'll ever meet in your life. He is Mr. Positive. 
Always positive. Always positive. It, uh, true. I'm saying it's true. He talks about it. And when we're dealing with an issue, he always, he always addresses it from the positive. I've never known him to see the glass half empty. It's always half full. In fact, with his eyes, it's probably, it may be half full, but to him, it's two-thirds full. Okay, he's just Mr. Positive. And when he says, I got your back, bro, I know he's got my back. And he knows all the warts and stuff that's on it. But then I know him too. And I know all his weaknesses. And, well, not all of them. The one who knows all my faults and weaknesses is sitting right here. And Wednesday, we're going to celebrate number 48. Okay. And trust me, she knows me. Oh boy, does she know me. That's why when somebody goes, say, how's it going? It's going great. Just don't ask Wanda. <laughs> it's going great. <laughs> uh, yeah. But she knows, right? Because listen, we're friends. We were friends before we were hubby and wife. We were friends. She's my best friend. When I have a day off, there's no one I'd rather spend it with than her. And she doesn't play golf. <laughs> but I still would rather spend it with her. Because we're best friends. That, by the way, is what makes marriages great. Well, they're not just your marriage partner. They're your friend. You're spending it. And some of you are going like this. Because you're, you're married to your friend. Isn't that right, Elaine? You're married to your friend. You guys have been doing that for, what, 52 years? 52 years, they've been hanging out. Isn't that awesome? Her and Reagan, 52 years. Listen, that's because she is a saint. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen, we... We, we, we really see the insight to this when we discover a secret that is in Psalm 18, verse 24. Psalm 18, verse 24. And, and you're gonna know this psalm, right? In fact, you're gonna be able to help me finish it here. A man who has friends must show Yeah, see, a man who has friends must show Himself friendly, right? Must show himself friendly, right? But there's a friend who is closer than a brother, right? See, you know it, right? But watch this. A man who has ra'a must be ra'a. Friend. That's the acquaintance. That's the guy I see at Starbucks who we know each other's name. We say, hi, how you doing? Ra'a. But there is a friend, Ahab, who's closer than a brother. And see, reading it in English, we think it's all saying the same thing. Uh-uh. No, no, no. There's a friend, an acquaintance, and there's an Ahab. And when God said, Abraham, my friend, he said, Abraham, my Ahaba. Amen. Abraham's not a Ra'ah. 
Abraham's an Ahab. I hope you're beginning to see something right here. Because when Jesus said, I'm no longer going to call you servants, because servants don't really know their master. Not really. Yeah, they work for him, and maybe they've worked for him for 20-some years, but they don't really know him. I'm going to call you. And he uses the Greek words that's a synonym to ahab. You're my friend. You're my friend. Now, we're going to get it when we get back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and we see what the Apostle Paul was really saying. That I might know him. I want to know him intimately, personally. I want to be as close to him as an Ahab. Because an Ahab is someone who will lay his life down for his friend. I want to know him. I want to know him that close. I don't want to be a ra'ah with God. I want to be an ahab with God. I want to know the power of his resurrection, that supernatural power that came into the grave and raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I want that supernatural power controlling my life 24-7. So I'm living under that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit every day I live. I want to be that close to him because that will empower me to live by a supernatural strength and a supernatural control that when everybody else is getting out of control, I will be able to live in control. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Koinonia, that covenant relationship, that fellowship, that covenant relationship. I want fellowship with his sufferings his sufferings. What does that mean? He was wounded for our transgressions. 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 That's stepping over the line. Over here's the right way, doing the right thing. Over here's the wrong way. Stepping over here. Transgressions is coming up short. You know it should be there, but you come up short. You're missing the target. It's, it's that whole Romans 7 thing, right? That, that chasm, that dichotomy between Romans 6, we're crucified, buried, and risen with Jesus. We walk in newness of life. Romans 8, the living in the Holy Spirit where there's no condemnation. But that middle where I, the things I know I should be doing, but I'm not. And the things I know I'm not supposed to be doing, I'm doing. Oh, I did it again. I did it again. How many have been there? With this side over here. You guys all Christian liars or what? <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? When we know what we ought to be doing. And I'm sorry. Or, or, you know what? It, 
Don't ask her how often this happens. Your tongue gets out of control and you go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. That was really harsh. Come on. Been there, been there. See, see that, that, and those are transgressions. And he was wounded for our transgressions. All of the wounds that Jesus Christ suffered made it possible for me to step over that chasm so I don't have to live in Romans chapter 7. I can live in the power and victory of Romans chapter 8. Wounded. The fellowship of his suffering. He was bruised for our iniquity. Iniquity of self-willed living. I asked the, the 830 group, I'm going to ask you too. How many of you have obeyed God, but you've left skid marks all the way? Come on. We've been there. Okay, that's not surrendered will. Surrendered will. He was bruised. He was bruised every time. They they blindfolded Jesus and they hit him in the face and said, come on, prophesy, prophesy, who's hitting you? All those bruises, when, when they beat him on his back and on his sides with that, cane, with that cane stick and they hit him over and over again, every bruise Jesus suffered, it was for you and I so that we could live victorious over our self-will and live by the will of Almighty God. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. When they called him names, when he's hanging on the cross, they're going, oh, come on, come on. You said you'd raise it third day. Come on, if you're really the son of God, come on down off that cross, come on. When they were mocking him, prophesy, come on, prophesy. When they were mocking him, kneeling and mocking him, saying, hail, king of the Jews, and, and were mocking him. When they spit in his face, when they were doing all the things they did to Jesus, the chastisement, of our peace was upon him. He suffered all of that so that you and I, when we would go through days, when people at work, when family members, when those close to us, when they would mock us, when they would abuse us, when they would call us names, when we grew up as kids and all the names that we were called and all the things that were said about us and how we were hurt and how we were wounded, the wounds that we suffered, Jesus Christ suffered all of that so that you and I I can live in perfect peace while the world is caving around us. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at